0: Start On Demand demand.
1: We talked a lot today about vaccine certificates, immunity passports. Should Canada do this? What do you think? We also spoke to the India Association of Manitoba to get reaction over the surge of COVID-19 cases in that country. We checked in with Winnipeg Crime Stoppers for another Manitoba unsolved mystery, the 1987 murder of 15-year-old Cheryl Duck. And an Oklahoma woman found out she was wanted for felony embezzlement over a VHS tape of Sabrina the Teenage Witch that she rented 20 years ago. So today we talked about late fees. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Lorraine McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. This is the Monday, April 28th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Loren. It was a spectacular day yesterday. Did you enjoy painting outside, Greg? I actually did.
0: It was great. It was, you know... I've fallen in love with painting. I understand why people paint pictures and art as a hobby because it is incredibly relaxing just to get that brush in your hand and to just get lost in it. I have zero artistic ability, so that's not an option for me. But painting furniture and actually I'm painting Loren, uh, we're installing today a faux beam in our living room kitchen. It's It looks like it weighs about 700 pounds, but it's actually made out of styrofoam. It's almost like uh, a prop rock that you would see oh, at Universal Studios neat. in California. It's super lightweight. And so I've been painting that. I had to put about three coats on it just to, to make it look the way I wanted. And um, I can't wait to get it up, but I just got lost in the process And just super relaxing. And then you add the fact that you could be outside yesterday. Oh, my goodness. It was very therapeutic for me.
2: I I really do hope not to turn this from your therapy to a Darker place. I hope the weather continues like this just because of where we're at with restrictions going into effect today, because we were outside late, uh, you know, playing soccer in this sort of shared space we have in our circle where we are. And so it's a public area. And I kept thinking to myself last night, OK, so starting tomorrow, if there are more than X number of us In this area, am I policing this? Who, you know, who's controlling the kids to make sure we're abiding by rules? How's this all going to work? And I just, I got a bit of, I got a bit anxious to be honest, thinking about having this nice moment playing soccer with my youngest, who by the way, has been faster than me since he's about five years old. So that's just as an aside, but you know, there's all this stuff going through my head. So I'm trying, you're trying to enjoy yourself in the moment and think like, ah, can just COVID go away already? So I don't have to count numbers and think about how many people are in a group or a gathering or is this a public space? Because you know, I need to get serious about my game. <laughs> got to beat that kid one of these days.
1: It's never going to happen.
2: Oh, it's never. He always wants to race, and I'm always like, dude, you've been. It's. I'm tr- trying to tell you, you're faster than me. And Mom's not doing the whole like faking thing, you know. Oh, you won. Mom is trying, and mama's <laughs> losing. You need to realize that. That's how. That's where we're at right now. You're eight. You've got me beat. You
1: got to go do some training.
2: Oh, Dad was he had he was out with the uh, our oldest, and so we were kind of split doing different things with the kids, and so he's still faster, I think, than the okay, kids. Okay, okay. C- I could Brett, train you all remember? you want, Brett, but I like like I'm telling you, this kid's got some wheels. <laughs> like, <laughs> so he's little and he's fast, and I'm like giving her, and people are like, "Come on!" and the neighbors are watching, "Come on, Lorraine, try harder!" and I'm like, "For God's sakes, I am trying, <laughs> trying as hard as I can." <laughs> do
1: you remember the first time you beat Smash Gordon in a foot race, Brett? uh no i don't i'm not sure that we i don't remember if we ever raced today
2: make that day today brett
1: (laughs) i guess so yeah i'll have to call my dad and say did we ever race and if not then we should do that Um, (laughs) uh this is a (laughs) throwdown. uh yeah we used to play catch and stuff in the backyard and he helped me learn how to ride a bike but i don't know that i ever actually had a foot race with my dad but I certainly couldn't uh, get to the – I raced out to the golf course yesterday. It was a beautiful day. And uh, just as a, just wanted to pass this on very quickly. was at Kingswood in LaSalle, and uh, it was a bit of a slower day yesterday. So on the last two holes, we played with uh, the couple who was in front of us. And it turned out it was Doris and Frank Talbot, the Manitoban couple, who have played every single golf course yes. in Manitoba. Oh. Although they, and that's what Global Winnipeg reported on last year, but they have learned there is one course they have not played. There's a par three course somewhere near Assisipi. So that is their mission this summer is to get to that course so they can officially cross them all off of the list. But uh, yeah, that was neat. Small world, just to randomly bump into those two because I thought their story was so cool last year. So... Um, and it was a, an absolutely perfect day. So indeed, Lorraine Hope like I'm looking at this long-term forecast. Saturday sunny and 22. Sunday sunny and 17. So we do have some some good things to look forward to, mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that uh, we're entering another four weeks of uh, tightened restrictions.
2: Yeah, that's the that's the horizon or the silver lining we hope because if you're going to be outside and you have to be really to try to have any social interaction in a public space like your golf, Brett. I know you'll go when it's relatively cool, but you got your limits.
1: Yeah, and especially at the beginning of the year, as the year goes on, like in the fall when it's sort of the mad scramble to just play, like to play as much as we can before we can't do it anymore. Then I'll play in colder weather, but at the beginning of the season, I'm more of a fair weather golfer. And You're, yesterday, You was don't perfect.
2: have your summer skin, like Cam's summer feet, when he talked about getting his summer <laughs> feet <right>. all hardened <laughs> and ready for his saddles. You don't have your summer skin yet. You're no, working into your summer skin. I, I don't.
1: Last year, I had a, <laughs> already had a tan before I actually put on golf shorts because we couldn't do anything other than all I could do was sit on my balcony. So I put on my shorts yesterday, and I looked like uh, Casper's drunk uncle. Just so pasty
2: white. So. <laughs> I was I, I was thinking you were going to tell me you had some sort of tanning bed in your apartment. That's why you Ooh. keep falling asleep all the time, because you're, you're laying in just that tanning bed. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>
1: A woman says she is being haunted by a VHS tape that was rented more than 20 years ago.
3: Karen McBride was trying to get her name changed on her license after getting married and discovered she had a warrant out for her arrest.
2: The first thing she told me was felony embezzlement. So I thought I was going to have a heart attack.
3: The Cleveland County District Attorney's Office said she rented a Sabrina the Teenage Witch VHS tape in 2000 and never returned it. (laughs) McBride says she thinks someone she lived with rented it for his kids on her account.
2: I have never watched that show in my entire life. I mean, I didn't try to deceive anyone over Samantha the Teenage Witch. I
1: swear. The DA's office dropped the case last Wednesday. Todd Ant, ABC News. She doesn't even know the name of the show. She called it Samantha the Teenage Witch. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know
0: what's worse. The, this story overall, the embarrassment or the fact that it's that movie. That is uh, something else. My word.
1: So we want to talk about late fees, the miscellaneous charges that we are shocked by. And you can text us your story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. That story, by the way, was out of Oklahoma. But let's go around the horn here at 201 Portage in various spots in Winnipeg. Cameron Poitras is here. Jeff Fortier is here. Jeff Braun is here. Jeff Braun, why don't we start with you, sir?
3: Samantha, by the way, of course, was the witch on the show *Bewitch*. So I think she just crossed a <laughs> few. Oh two witch shows. wow! Look at oh, that. So maybe she is into witches after all. <laughs> uh, for me, it's also a video thing. It was at Blockbuster, and it was I, I almost the exact same story where, except, well, I knew I had rented a movie. I can't remember what movie it was, and I know I returned it, and they kept saying, "No, you didn't return it," and I was like, "No, I did return it," and it took weeks and weeks of me going down there every now and then or every time I tried to rent a movie trying to explain it to them and finally they eventually just dropped it but they were trying to you know charge me 50 or 60 bucks or whatever the ridiculous price for whatever movie it was back then but I, I never paid them and I know I know to this day I returned the movie and the, the disc was in the box it wasn't an empty box situation or anything like that. Cam fortress
4: Uh, well, when I, when I left Manitoba for the first time, I was 19 years old and and I, and I take full responsibility for this part. I never told Manitoba health that I was, I was leaving the province and I was going off to work in Alberta. So when I came back to Manitoba about three years ago, I re-registered for my Manitoba health card. So they sent me a new health card. But when I called them to re-register, they never re-registered me. They just sent me my old card, which was void from when I left the province when I was 19 years old. So I went to a doctor's appointment and they they called me back and said, oh, yeah, your health card's not working. And I said, well, that's weird because Manitoba Health just sent me an, a new card like a couple of months ago. So then this goes on for months. I'm calling... Manitoba Health, and they they said, well, you know, you didn't register, uh, you didn't let us know that you left the province. And I said, well, yeah, I take responsibility for that, but then why did, when I called you to re-register, would you not re-register me, and you just sent me a void card, and my numbers were exactly the same. It's not like that I got new numbers or anything like that. So this went on for months and months and months. My doctor's office is getting upset with me. They're calling me all the time, wondering what's going on. I'm saying I'm still waiting for the province because I get keep kick, being kicked up in the bureaucracy, which bothers me to no end. <laughs> and I eventually just said, it, this isn't worth my time. this isn't worth my effort. I just went and I paid for the health uh, for the for the bill at the doctor's office, which ticked me off, but it eventually it just became, as you can probably hear, it became just too stressful, and I just said, to hell with this, they're never gonna they're never gonna own up to at least half of the responsibility of this so yeah it really uh, and it was like 75 bucks it was a lot of money it ticked me off but eventually it just became it too a, much.
3: was it a blood pressure checkup or <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: it was just a general checkup you know they they did te- they did listen to my heart and they did check uh they did check my blood pressure which was fine by the way just in case
1: you're wondering loren what about you
2: Uh, I, what I love a good hotel stay. And I think I've talked about that before, but depending on where you go, unless you ask a dozen different questions, you you know, you get hit with all these different fees. And I don't know if you guys remember, but back when we were just sort of emerging into cell phones and I'd be traveling for work. If you used the landline in the room, you'd suddenly go down and find a bill that had an insane surcharge. You're like, but I called you. Uh huh well, we're charging you $10 for that. But I was calling the front desk, like the the phone charges would be insane. So it always drives me nuts to go in and figure out like, I still to this day ask the question, which I'm sure they must laugh at. You're not charging me for this Wi Fi, are you? You're not charging me like an extra pool fee to walk into the pool that you provide at this hotel, because some places do have 19 different fees, including I've been to places where they add the housekeeping gratuity on that, which to me is the the fee that drives you nuts i like to tip i'll always tip i'll always leave something for housekeeping at a resort but i don't like having that just slammed on my bill automatically
1: no one likes those surprise charges mackling what about you it's called a resort fee Living yes but but, but i'm already paying for, your your towels for the resorts. and everything the towels but, not included
2: it. to go to the pool Fine, I will just walk around there with nothing on. That's what you're going to get for that next time.
0: (laughs) All right, I'm going to use this opportunity to file some personal grievances over the air. Chris, if you're listening, 1998, I lent you Wayne's World on VHS. I'm still (laughs) waiting for that. 2003, Daryl, I gave you the Triumph, the Comic Dog DVD. I would also like to have that back. Not because I will ever watch either of those movies again, but... You know, principle is principle, and my uh, collection must be complete. And, Brett McGarry, I owe you an apology because I still have your book, The Guns of the South. I've had it for almost three years now. Oh, wow. I I (laughs) promise to return it to you uh, shortly.
1: Right now, we start this hour on the subject of COVID. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been asked for months now, Loren, whether or not Canada is going to mandate COVID-19 vaccination certificates.
2: Yeah, and depending on how you feel about this, you might think that Canada's behind in this conversation, that we need to get moving on some sort of system, or you might think, hey, hang on, it's too soon. We don't know yet uh, how these vaccines will work, the length of their immunity, and all sorts of questions around that. And so we do know the concept is quickly gaining popularity in other parts of the world, European opinion. Union officials, the EU, said earlier this week they may start letting Americans, for example, back in the country as early as this summer. Although we don't know yet if U.S. tourists would need proof of vaccination for entry or it might be a case where they simply have to have a negative test done beforehand or proof of recent recovery of COVID-19. Whether that would be acceptable or whether they'll be looking for that piece of paper saying you've been vaccinated, Greg
0: well canada still hasn't made a decision loren on this front but it's increasingly part of the questions being asked by vaccinated canadians if vaccinated will we able be able to safely resume international travel without quarantines allow vaccinated visitors into our country here was the prime minister's response to the vaccine
1: passport question pre-pandemic uh certificates of vaccination are a part of international travel to certain regions and uh, are naturally to be expected when it comes to uh, this pandemic and, and uh, the, vi- the coronavirus. How we actually roll that out in alignment with partners and, uh, and uh, allies around the world uh, is something that we're working on right now to coordinate.
2: So to be expected, meaning to be expected as part of the conversation, or should we all expect that we'll have to have this proof if we want to travel? We don't know the answers to those questions. There are people who don't like this idea. We're going to speak to a bioethicist at 905 about this conversation. But there are already countries where you have to have proof of different vaccines when you enter those countries, diseases like polio or yellow fever. I recall, I believe it was when I went to Zimbabwe, I still have my yellow immunization sheet that i would i don't believe i ever showed it to anyone but i had it to prove that i had the various vaccines for different things that were of concern in that part of the world so this isn't unprecedented but that's leading to other questions greg and you pointed out yesterday sending us a story about the cdc the canadian center or sorry the center for disease control out of the u.s it's uh, released new guidelines for the vaccinated saying vaccinated americans don't necessarily need to wear masks unless they're in big crowd of strangers
0: Yeah. So last week, uh, amongst other organizations, the Los Angeles Dodgers announced that they would have a vaccinated section that you could sit in. They were still asking that you wear masks, but you could sit and uh, presumably sit in better seats based on an entire section being able to be filled by those with vaccinations. But you mentioned the CDC and it's sort of in the form of a chart where they give advice on what you should be doing. With or without a mask, depending on whether or not you've been vaccinated or not. Like a walk, run, or bike outdoors with members of your household. Whether you're vaccinated or not, the CDC says you can do that without a mask. But if you go a little bit, there's there's one, two, three, four, five different activities outlined here. If you go to the fifth one, dine at an outdoor restaurant with friends from multiple households. It's got a yellow caution Uh, attached for those that are unvaccinated, telling you to wear a mask. But then it's got a little bit of a green icon here with a face without a mask. And then the last one, attend a crowded outdoor event like a live performance parade or sporting event even if you're vaccinated, the CDC still says that you should be wearing a mask. And in fact, they're saying that if you haven't been vaccinated, you shouldn't be attending those things at all. So more than half of U.S. adults have received at least one dose of coronavirus vaccine and more than a third of Americans have been fully vaccinated, Brett. So I think that's the question here for many of us. And I guess it'll be up to the government ultimately to answer, should there be different rules for those that have been fully vaccinated?
1: We want to know what you think, Two hundred four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. I, I think I've said something along these lines before, but I, I would, would certainly have no problem with uh, needing a vaccine certificate to travel or to enter another country. And every country, as far as I'm concerned, has the right to make that decision. But in Canada, I hope we don't go to this until everybody's at least had their chance to be vaccinated. Like, I wouldn't want to see this start to get rolled out immediately while so many of us are still waiting for that first shot, never mind the second shot, Loren.
2: Yeah, the issue here, you know, it becomes a question about how is it rolled out in different parts of the country? And so you are you in a position or in a place where you didn't get access to it at the same timely manner as someone else? And so that might inhibit your travel or maybe eventually your right to take off the mask or or however that might work. And then you have the other countries. There's so many places in the world where vaccines aren't rolling out. Or, or rolling out sparingly and, and people in those countries still want to travel or still want to leave. And so there's not universal healthcare there. There's not immediate access. And so it really creates sort of a tiered system or this class system. I just, so I'm that for that reason alone, I'm not fully on board with this at all that said it's not unprecedented i think there are a lot of people out there saying hang on like i don't like this i don't like the slippery slope and i'm i have been one of them but when you go looking sometimes you might be asked when you enter a different country for all sorts of things i think if you immigrate to the united states you get asked about certain vaccinations whether you've had polio or rubella or measles and so it, it is it is already happening for other diseases but this one's just so new and we still are learning so much about it that i think that's why some people are saying hang on we're not there yet
1: you can read more at globalnews.ca cjob.com what do you think of this 204-780-6868 We're asking you to tell us a story at 204-780-6868 about late fees or shocking things that appear on your bill or... We got a story here from Don who says, I was a Bank of Nova Scotia customer beginning in 1968 when I married my first wife. We got a joint account at Scotiabank. After we divorced, we closed the joint account, and she moved to another bank while I stayed at Scotiabank. But then she started writing checks on the closed account, and as my name was on the checks, they were taking the money from my account. It took months to get it sorted out and a court order to sort it out as my payments were going NSF with the incurred fees and negative effect on my credit score. I no longer deal (laughs) with Scotiabank, (laughs) says Don. Wow, that sounds fun, Greg. Oh, yes, a ball of laughs. I have a buddy who was dealing
0: with with perhaps the same institution about 20 years ago, and they wouldn't fix uh, an NSF situation for him. And so he had a very large check to deposit uh, as a separate transaction. So after facing off with the manager, he got back in line deposited the very large check and then went and back out and got in line for a third time and closed his account just to make a point so sometimes uh you have to stand up for yourself and and there are some ridiculous fees out there no question about it
2: sometimes you got to take advantage i'm not saying don's wife should have done that but 57347418 is still the number of the old Phone card that my dad had for long distance oh my phone gosh. calls. Remember that back in the day? And then I remember the getting phone this phone card. call. He's like, You do oh, know that yes. there's records of the phone call, right? And I'm like, Mm hmm. <laughs> so I can see you've been phoning from Ottawa to Minidosa, and it's not calling us. So you you, can, you know <laughs> I know that, right? So I'm like, Mm hmm. But you had the card. You dabbled. You, you dabbled. Brett. <laughs> you dabbled.
1: <laughs> Tell us your story about late fees, two oh four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. The pictures and stories coming out of India this morning are disturbing and increasingly bleak.
2: They're hard to see and and hard to think about really, but here's the reality of what's going on over there. We're hearing more about mass funerals, mass cremations, shortages of oxygen, ventilators, hospital beds. In the last 24 hours alone or at least in the last 24 hours between Wednesday to Thursday more than 3200 people have died from COVID-19 in India and that's leaving loved ones in that country and beyond struggling to find a way through this. Ramadeep Gruwal is president of the India Association of Manitoba and is our guest this morning. Good morning Ramadeep. Good morning guys. How are you doing when you hear the latest news and see the latest headlines?
5: Uh, these are uh, very worrisome uh, headlines, definitely, as uh, we see that uh, uh, thousands of people are losing their lives and uh, very heartbreaking uh, pictures uh, those are coming out of India and uh, some of the people, they're losing their lives just because uh, there are not enough uh, hospital beds available for them. Um, yeah, no, it's not a very good time at this point for India, for sure, and uh, to love the loved ones who are living in uh, outside of India.
2: We know you have family there. What are you hearing from them?
5: uh yes uh we have uh, lost a next door neighbor um which is uh, living uh, next right next to my family in india uh we have lost uh, four uh, relatives uh, from the extended family as well we are worried we are calling them every morning when we wake up before going to sleep making sure that they're all uh, good and uh, you know staying healthy uh, but uh, there's always a running behind our brain our, our uh, every time uh, we are up, and uh, you know, um, thinking about them.
0: Remandeep, can you give us an idea? Just paint a picture of the healthcare system in India. I've seen far too many stories over the last week or so, and one of the stories I saw last night, I think it was on the BBC. There was actually a digital board outside one of the hospitals giving the statistics for who was in what beds and how many beds they had or didn't have available and th- this system is, is normally fairly robust is it not
5: uh it is definitely india has a, a two-tier system uh there is a public system and there's a private system uh we can say there's like a quite a few number of hospitals for the size of the population but uh you know i uh, uh probably saw that uh, the dashboard that was showing the number of beds. So those were not nothing was available in that particular hospital. And that's the case like uh, pretty much across all the hospitals that uh, nothing is available at this point because the number of COVID patients has increased to such a uh, big number that uh, they don't have enough beds uh, available in any of these uh, hospitals at this point. Uh, Definitely uh, the system is uh, very much strained at this point.
1: What are you hearing from Winnipegers in terms of how they would like to help? Like, Is there anything we can even do from here?
5: So there are a couple of uh, uh, fundraisers are going on. Uh, people are trying to buy uh, oxygen concentrators from the U.S. and trying to ship them uh, over to India because oxygen uh, uh, is one of the main reasons uh, that people are not able to have uh, in the hospitals. Uh, so, uh, that they can do. They can help in these fundraisers. Uh, they can contact us at India Association of Manitoba at or they can directly go to Canadian Red Cross and they are helping uh, with the money that uh, they got from the Government of Canada. And there are a couple of other organizations like uh, KALSA Aid and SEVA International. Those are directly helping on the ground by sourcing equipment from outside the world.
2: Ramadeep, there's obviously a lot of sadness. I mean, it's just it's jaw dropping when you see some of the pictures and hear some of the numbers coming out there. It's obviously a very populous country. And then there's lots going on and to be concerned about. But I'm wondering, is there any anger at all? We know that there was talk that that some officials there thought that this was over COVID was over and they weren't worried about this, this other wave. How are you feeling on that front when it comes to both the sadness and anger you might be feeling?
5: So India had a very, uh, compared to other parts of the world, a very easy first wave. We can say India lost lives. You know, every single life matter. Uh, But this one is pretty harsh, uh, as you can see. But uh, it's fair to say that people are uh, frustrated at this point because they are not able to find facilities for their loved ones. Uh, There is a uh, little bit of, uh, I can say, anger in people as they uh, get to the hospitals and they find these long queues. Um, but uh, uh, there are a couple of organizations, the government, as well as uh, private organizations, who have opened up temples and gurdwaras. Uh, they uh, made them as a makeshift hospitals. And some uh, oxygen manufacturers have uh, given uh, oxygen cylinders and uh, uh, other pieces of equipment for free to make sure that uh, anybody who needs the help, they can uh, get the help.
1: Ramandeep Grewal is president of the India Association of Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it.
5: Thank you. Stay safe.
1: Wednesday, just after 8.30, which means...
6: it's happy superhero day it's superhero day today yeah and as i said on my uh hal's morning quickie on social media it should be easy to celebrate today we're all wearing masks right so <laughs> superhero <laughs> superhero day should not be a problem at all today
2: and uh, a robe it kind of counts as a cape well, you know if sure. you just keep the pajamas on hal
6: why not
0: yes <laughs> absolutely um, it's capish weather today too
6: you know, isn't that depressing? it is kind of depressing, right? Mm-hmm. What a beautiful day yesterday. Yesterday I was saying to Jackie, I got to figure out a way to do my show from the deck. Like I got to get a really long cord or I got to figure out how I can do and then today it's sort of but hey, it's that time of the year, I guess. Speaking of quickies, they have done a survey. <laughs> Any idea how long the oh, average uh, sex takes any ideas oh, any takers geez. anybody want to anybody want to jump in on this one they've done they've, science says i'll tell you the number in a minute any idea average sex five
1: minutes mm.
2: saying so yeah. that's i think it's like oh no i don't even want to know is it going to be less than a minute <laughs> i just i just i just googled it and it's it's very unkind greg
0: uh, uh, well, Dr. Jess told us about the old uh, toilet paper roll trick for uh, one other uh, measurement. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> about, uh, I- I'm going to say between 90 and 120 seconds.
6: Okay. Here's the range. Wait till you hear the range. The range is actually the best part of this story. The range, they talked to 500 couples. They actually had the couples time their sex, um, they did. <laughs> And here's the range. All the way from 44 minutes, I want to meet that couple, wow. right? 44 minutes at the high end, all the way down to 33 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and oh no, boy. Jackie and I did not participate in this survey. I know that's <laughs> what you're thinking. <laughs> like you, but
2: that 33-second couple would barely have gotten the watch well, start. Oh, Sorry, geez. I just hit start.
6: I'm not even sure it was a couple. It might have just, you know. Um, Anyhow, the average guys, the middle couple. So the couple in the middle, the average, 5.4 minutes. Ding, ding, ding. Brett McGeary, you said five minutes. Good for you. You were closest, yes.
1: I had a buddy once. uh, He was telling, when he told, he was joking about his first time. And uh, I said, How long did you last? And he said, How long is the average commercial? And I said, I don't know, like 30 seconds? He says, yeah, I didn't make it through the commercial.
6: <laughs> okay. oh, we're all, all right. grown-ups here. We can talk about sex. Sure, why not? Um, so in Ireland, there's a town in Ireland, and they've got a real dog poo problem. Here's what I try to do with you guys on Wednesdays. I try and find stories that you would not normally hear that are are int- I think they're interesting. So anyhow, uh this uh, town's got problems with dog poo and they have now decided to go full CSI on this. They are actually going to start doing DNA testing on abandoned dog poop <laughs> in order to track them. down who is responsible. This is a big deal, isn't it, Greg? I agree.
0: It is. I hope this catches on worldwide and if not worldwide <laughs> at least in Winnipeg and to get more specific North Kildonan. How's that for a soapbox? There
2: you go. There it's you true go. you when you see it out there and it hasn't been picked up, yep. it doesn't it doesn't matter to me if it's on the side of the sidewalk, on the sidewalk, I see it in the grass. Mm-hmm. You know what your job is as a dog owner. Right. When the dog does its job, your job is to pick it up. I I I'm curious whose job it is to do the DNA testing. <laughs> well,
6: yes, right, exactly. And most people are fantastic. I see a lot of people following yes. their dog with a bag and doing the, doing the right thing. But I think there are real abusers out there that just don't care. And uh, so we'll see how this works. It's a it's a town in Ireland. We'll see. I heard you saying, Greg, that you were uh, painting. And um, uh, listen, uh, I got lots you can paint here at my place. But they've come up with a—they've come up with a new. Co- it's actually the whitest paint they have ever created. They thought they created the ultra white paint, but they've even made it whiter. And they say this paint—it's—they uh, developed it at Purdue University. Engineers at Purdue developed this, and they say it is the whitest paint yet. And it is in fact so white that it might reduce the need for air conditioning. Imagine that, eh?
0: Wow, that's fascinating.
6: Yeah, I really think that's kind of cool, too. And this is a a new trend. Apparently, buildings, uh, new and renovated offices are being designed, according to designers, developers, and landlords. Uh, The new trend in these new office spaces, outdoor space. The new office Mm. of the future is outdoors. Isn't that interesting? Another development from from Mm COVID-19.
1: That could be cool.
6: Yeah, I would work out. As I just said at the start of the segment here, I would gladly uh, work outside. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about downtown uh, Winnipeg. I see that uh, there is a new survey out that says most people would actually take a pay cut to keep working from home. So it's not even that they would prefer to work from home, but they would be willing to take a pay cut uh, to work from home. And, well, I guess some CEOs are saying, yeah, great, less uh, you know, money that we have to spend on office space. Uh, others say it hurts the culture of the company and they want their employees together again and get them back into cubicles. But the real concern here is, and we've talked a lot about downtown Winnipeg, the concern is that this could change central business districts across North America mm-hmm. because with fewer people working downtown, businesses downtown Many of them will will close and not be able to survive. So I thought that was uh, that's worth mentioning. We talk about, oh, it's great to work from home or can't wait to get back to the office, but there's impact, right for, for businesses.
2: Oh, well, for sure. and I think about even you know the, the, we have a few of us at home, Greg, yourself and, and me, and so there are the savings in terms of driving, fuel, parking, not eating out mm-hmm. as much, and all of that kind of thing. And yep. on the other hand, I think there's some loss in terms of the connection we might have at work, the people we're missing to see. I, I You know, I, I, I'd be torn on that. I don't yeah. ever want to offer to take a pay cut. But.
1: And the frustrations mm-hmm. in technology that both of you face, oh, uh, that all right. three of you face yeah. uh, working from home. No, yeah.
2: and I, every single morning, I'm texting these guys with some sort of expletive when something doesn't work out, so... <laughs> And finally,
6: this is, again, an interesting little tidbit, right? Uh, There was a flight attendant on TikTok... And you know how when you get on a it's been so long since we've been on a plane, but remember when we used to get on a plane and there would be somebody, maybe the captain or, or maybe the one of the flight attendants greeting you as you walk through the door of the plane? Hi there, welcome to blank, blank airlines, right? Remember that, they, mm-hmm. how that happens all the time? <laughs> yeah. Did you realize there's actually a purpose for that? They're not just saying, hey, welcome, uh, you know, have a great flight and, oh. and welcome. Are they you counting know, you?
5: No, they counting they're not you?
6: counting you. No, you know okay. what they're doing? They are sizing up the passengers. According to this uh, flight attendant, who revealed this on TikTok, the flight attendants are actually sizing up the passengers and looking for people who might be able to help in case of an emergency. Oh.
1: That makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Interesting, eh? That really makes mm-hmm. sense. That mm-hmm. makes- I always fail
2: that test when they come to the emergency row and they give me the instructions, yeah. and then I'm like, sorry, could you just repeat that one more time? And they just... yeah. <laughs> Get out of the right. seat.
6: <laughs> yeah. Well, the captain right, yeah, during the flight, the captain goes, Shh, "Here's your captain speaking. Uh, if you're looking for help of any kind, uh, d- don't bother with guy in uh, row four, <laughs> seat D. He can barely handle himself. This is your captain. Have a safe flight."
2: <laughs> hey, hey Hal, guys, have the, a great yes. Before you go, you mentioned earlier just a few minutes ago about the survey, the average length of time for sex. Someone just yes. texted in to ask because you said the range was 33 seconds to 44 minutes.
6: 44 minutes, yeah.
2: One of our listeners wants to know if that survey took into account the 60 minutes of begging.
1: <laughs> 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 Have a great Wednesday, guys. Oh, Hal Anderson Afternoons is on 1230 to 3. We just heard uh, Hal Anderson tell us that there are a growing number of people who would be willing to take a pay cut to continue working from home.
2: Yeah, this study was 41% said they were willing to take a small pay cut. Greg, you asked the question, well, what's small mean?
0: Yeah, and I'm just wondering, I'm doing the math in my head, Loren, and I think you could get to five grand pretty quickly. I know that that's a lot of money on its own, but so is the amount of money, Uh, you know, parking. If you work downtown, I, I know what that costs me every month. I forgot to cancel it for this month. So I paid for a parking spot for nothing for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jackie, I hope you're not listening. Sorry. I forgot to do that. Uh, the gas. And then you mentioned just, uh, You know, eating out, even just getting a coffee or or a steep tea every day, that's, you know, three bucks or thereabouts every single day. And if you add all that together and multiply it out over the year, you can get to five grand really quick. Would would you be willing to consider taking a $5,000 pay cut in order to work from home? I'll ask you that,
2: Loren, directly. I... I don't know. I mean, I, I, there, there have for sure been savings and, and without question, we are fortunate to be in the position where we get to work from home. And I recognize that. And I'm, I appreciate the company's willingness to make sure we're all at home and have what the tools we need to do that. I, I also think that then, I mean, in our job, the work is kind of ongoing throughout the day, no matter what your shift is. And so I think we are all would agree that you're sort of always in tune or always working. I just feel like for so many people that I know who are working from home, the work has never stop no matter what they're in. It feels like you're always working. You're always just checking in. You're always the laptop's only, you know, ten steps away. You can double up on something. If you get a call from a boss after hours, you can check in on the on that. And so I, I don't know if the pay cut would be worth it because on the other end, I feel like many would say they might be working harder and their mental health has taken a hit. And and then the question of sick, you know, even just calling in sick or, or, or not being able to go into work. Well I know so many people who said that they've not felt well or maybe they've hurt their back or they've had things going on and they don't call in sick because they just know the employer might be, well, hang on, you can't just walk downstairs and turn on your laptop and start working. Like, how bad is it? And so I think, I don't know, I might, I might make an argument. You should pay me more.
1: Prime Minister Justin Trudeau saying yesterday that vaccine passports are naturally to be expected as the pandemic continues.
2: So we know the European Union is already looking at this type of passport or certificate, and so now As we have been for many months, Canadians aren't just asking the question, should Canada follow? We're also asking that perhaps bigger question of what does life look like for those who get the vaccine? Uh, United States, the Centre for Disease Control, yesterday released new guidelines on this front saying vaccinated Americans don't need to cover their faces anymore with masks unless they're in a big crowd of strangers. And they also had some advice for those who aren't yet vaccinated, just in terms of how that immunity is building up, Greg.
0: Yeah, we have to keep in mind that 50% of the American population has had at least one dose of one of the available vaccines. 30% of the United States, the eligible population that is, has received two or both shots of required vaccination. Kerry Bowman is a bioethicist at the University of Toronto and joins us now. Good morning, Kerry. Good morning. So is the essential notion of vaccine privileges that if you get one, you can do the following and then you can make up whatever list you like. And if you don't have the vaccine, uh, you simply can't join us or do the following.
7: Yeah, well, that's what it's beginning to look like, isn't it? I mean, the Americans are obviously way ahead of us because those of us that have been vaccinated, nothing has changed, uh, even for both vaccines. So they're definitely ahead of us. But look, you know what I see going on here with vaccine passports is is this is going to now be tough for Canadians because the world's going to start moving forward or particularly the European Union and the United States. And, you know, for a few months, we may be somewhat left behind. People are not going to like this, including me.
1: So is this uh, something that if if Canada were to move ahead on rolling something like this out, should they wait until everybody's at least had an opportunity to be vaccinated? Or is this something that they should yeah. start doing right away? You
7: know, I, I agree with our government on this one. And, and by this one, I mean the following. I mean, the science is not yet clear. Now, it doesn't seem to be stopping anybody, does it? But um, Or not not everybody. But, you know, so if we have a vaccine, let's just say fully vaccinated, does that mean that, you know, my infection risk to you is is virtually zero, we don't know that, okay? Secondly, how long do they last? Like, how long are these passports good for? But but what is crystal clear and what our prime minister is saying, it, you know, this is not about, we, we, we're going to have to do something because if the European Union and the United States open up, we're going to have to figure something out. But presently, the part I agree with is this, our government is saying we don't know enough about the science yet, um, and hopefully we will soon. So I agree with them on that. But look, whether I think it's a good idea, you think it's a good idea, it, I'm speaking now about international travel, not domestic. This is almost certainly going to happen in very soon.
2: Why should we be concerned if it's happening? Is What's the the flip side to it? Because I had said earlier, Carrie, you know, pers- on a, from a personal level, I have family that's outside the continent. And so if this becomes a requirement, then yeah. I'm going to need it and want it. On the other hand, I, you know, I have some reservations about having all this information attached, maybe to your passport or your Nexus card, and just the kind of the forced assumption that it creates that you have to get it or else.
7: Yeah, well, you know, the, 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 you have to get it or else is exactly it. So what will happen with Canadians is you just won't be able to 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 travel significantly, and we're talking international, but you know that includes the United States. I I've said this before, and I say it again. And I don't blame the Americans. They're so much further ahead. You know, the day is coming where they're going to say Canadians are welcome, but we got to see that you're vaccinated. So that's definitely coming. But, you know, from a global point of view, yes, it, we have precedent. We've got the yellow cards. This is nothing new. But what's different with the yellow cards is, is, you know, first of all, that's only some countries. And then secondly, everyone has access to yellow fever, whether they want it or not, or yellow fever vaccine, I should say, of course, whether they want it or not. What, what will happen, let's say, by late summer of, of 2021 is the only people that are really going to be able to travel around this this planet, this globe, are going to be, you know, from wealthy, high-income countries. And the rest are going to have to wait for a long period of time. So that's, that's a justice problem and a big one.
0: We've seen the disparity on several fronts with regards to COVID-19. Let's take it inside the, our borders because... It, yeah. The EU wants to put these uh, passports in place and 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 make the rules, and you have no choice really but to play along if we want to go there, Carrie. But what about yeah. within the country? I, I mean, I, I mentioned the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I'm hearing other professional sports teams are now offering vaccinated sections where you can sit in a little bit uh, different sort of setup than uh, if you haven't been vaccinated. Are we going to see organizations like sports teams, like Ticketmaster that are promoting or or Live Nation or the Winnipeg Jets or Winnipeg Blue Bombers say, we'd love to have you at a game, but there's only one way you can come?
7: Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly that. And I think that private market forces will drive this. You know, Canada and the U.S. have deviated quite a lot on kind of pandemic ethical questions. And our government's very hesitant to take a, a national or provincial position because uh, the provincial government is the same, that we, we are going to do this and we are going to support it. Um, and I think they're right on that. But, but, I mean, market forces will drive this. And I think that is coming unless someone says it's illegal to do that. And I don't think it's anywhere near illegal at the moment. So that meaning, you know, this section is for vaccinated, this section is not. But boy, everyone's working on the presupposition that once you're vaccinated, your problems are over. We don't even know that yet. And I hope it's true. And it probably is. But we need we need more evidence.
1: What if there's some sort of a medical reason for somebody to not... Get a vaccine? Would they? <clears throat> what sort of problems could that create for somebody? Like, would they have to then carry around like a, a some sort of a doctor's certificate explaining, and then have to go through that explanation every single time they they're faced with the question, "Can I see your vaccine certificate?" They would.
7: They would. And you know, uh, they definitely would. And they let's say they have a parallel electronic app. There's going to be doormen and people that don't like it as well, right? Uh, You know, they're going to say, "Okay, I get it. You can't take the vaccine because you're whatever, you know, you're immunocompromised or whatever it may be. But they may not like it and there could be discrimination against it. And it puts those very people in a very rough position. You know, freedom of movement is a democratic right. We don't think about it because we've been so free for so long. But, you know, this this is going to be very tricky.
1: Kerry Bowman, a bioethicist at the University of Toronto, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Carrie, this was a pleasure. Thank you for the time. You're very welcome. Have a good day. Talking late fees for that $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza. We've got a runner-up text. Greg, you're going to read the runner-up. I'm going to tell you a quick story of your buddy Scott Mortland because that's what this text reminds me of. And then Loren's going to read our winning text. All right, so
0: Garth says, good morning. Back in 2006, a friend of mine asked to use my cell phone to call his girlfriend. I said yes. I was driving and handed him the phone. He called, no answer. Try again, no answer. This went on for about 60 times or more. Finally, I asked, what? No answer? No answering machine. Wait, wait what? during the 200 daytime minutes days. This is when this happened. I flipped as he just used up an hour of my prime minutes. Each time the machine picked up was one minute. He gave me a 13 inch tube TV for that to cover any overage, used it in my camper and still have it. It's the only TV, Brett, that he has that Works with Duck Hunt.
1: Yeah, Duck Hunt, baby. That's a great story, Garth. And uh, yeah, this reminds me of a time that Scott Mortland was trying to set up. He's your buddy from San Diego, the one who adopted the Bombers as uh, his home team. But. Uh, He was trying to set up one of your birthday surprises. He's a chatty guy. He likes to talk on the phone. So he asked me to call him. And of course, because he chats a lot, the phone call went for like 30 minutes or so. And I think that phone call cost me 40 bucks. So needless to say, I will not be calling Scott Mortland ever again. Uh, (laughs) in the meantime no you don't in the meantime Loren Candice is our winner
2: Candace is our winner and she texts to say years ago you were able to buy sticker books and stickers my four year old son had an NHL sticker book it listed all of the arenas where each team played out of, and the phone numbers. Unbeknownst to me, he had been trying to call all the numbers to talk to the (laughs) hockey players, but couldn't get through. His six-year-old sister told him he had to dial one first. I then got a $600 phone bill. MTS ended up waiving the charges. (laughs) Oh, hey, this is a Staples Center. Just looking to talk to so-and-so. Oh, Bell Center. Give me... Kelly on the line? Or, uh, <laughs> Cute that'd story, be the cutest Candace. call ever. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> so congratulations, Candace. You are a winner. And by the way, Greg, on the Scott Morland thing, it's my own fault for not knowing what my cell phone plan covered. So I made sure to, to make some changes right. to the plan after that. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. She was only 15 years old. And over 30 years later, police continue to try to solve the murder of Cheryl Duck. For the last several months, we've been highlighting Manitoba unsolved mysteries. And for inf- more information on the case of Cheryl Duck, we turn to the new police coordinator of Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, Constable Doug Singleton. Doug, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So before we discuss this mystery, you're the new police coordinator for Crime Stoppers. How long have you been with the Winnipeg Police Service?
8: Uh, Just around 20 years.
1: What's your background?
8: Um, Basically, uh, 20 years of police service. Uh, First few years were um, just general patrol and traffic, and then uh, 10 years in the forensic identification section, uh, and a little bit of time in our uh, firearms uh, section, and then uh, now I'm, I'm here.
0: Well, thanks for making some time for us today, Constable. Important stories, important files that you have your eyes on here. Can you tell us what happened to Cheryl Duck?
8: So basically on uh, about 9.30 a.m. on Saturday, December the 5th, 1987, uh, the body of 15-year-old Cheryl Duck was found um, in a field between Leela and Templeton, a very... um, it wasn't there was not much there other than the field at that point in time um it's about 450 meters due north of the last house on dunham street about as far northwest in the city as you could possibly get uh cheryl was found lying face down by a youth who was driving an all-terrain vehicle in the field Uh, she had suffered multiple facial and body injuries um her whereabouts the night um the night before she had been found, uh, we weren't really known with much precision. Um, it's possible she was picked up by somebody in the downtown area of Winnipeg and may have attended a party in Lila Avenue. Um, it's heavily suspected that, the, uh, that our suspect is going to be um, in a vehicle or have one to his disposal. Um, the area where Cheryl was found, as I said, is, uh, is basically, at the time it was uh, not very developed, it was basically a, a large field in the north, northwest corner of the city uh, but knowing the location um, may assist us in, ident- in identifying the killer as uh, they have may, have may have lived or worked in the area, they may have knew people in the area, or they may have actually even taken somebody there um, in the past or maybe even after that particular situation. Um, we had uh, several biological samples uh, from; we were able to get DNA profiles out of them, um, and they were recovered from the area, and hopefully they have some clues as to who the suspect might be, but at the end of the day we're going to need to have something to compare them to.
2: Yeah, that's the physical evidence that was left behind. And and 30 years ago, was that of any use, Constable Singleton? Or is it only now, you know, in in recent time that you've been able to, okay, figure out the DNA, and now you're just trying to see how you can potentially make a match?
8: Well, basically, back even 30 years ago, they were still collecting DNA, and they were able to not just collect the DNA, but they were actually able to develop a profile off of that DNA. And, And my understanding is that there might have been multiple samples and multiple profiles taken off of those. So, it's not just a matter of, you know, back then we didn't have it. They actually had that technology back then. Um, it was just now we're looking for probably somebody that we could like, line up with, uh, to, somebody to compare it to.
1: So you mentioned that uh, much of your background is in forensics. How important is that in cracking some of these longstanding unsolved mysteries? Uh, you know, the, how important are those forensics?
8: Oh, they're huge. I mean, um, I, I mean, I'm a bit biased on that particular thing. But if you had a case with good forensics, quite often, um, they're they're almost a shut door case. Um, the the a lot of defense and and people don't want to argue with the science. It's it's pretty much it is what you get. Um, it is what you have. I mean, it doesn't lean in one direction. We don't try and um, you know make our evidence fit. To to make the case, it's this is what we have and this is what it says. And, and basically, that's what you have. is the science behind it.
0: Experience is obviously a huge factor in solving uh, any sort of crime, in particular this one. We understand that this Cheryl Duck case is reminiscent of, a, of another case you worked on once upon a time.
8: Yeah, you know, I remember back to 2012 when I worked a, a murder. Um, it was the Simone Sanderson case, and it took several years for there to be any kind of a suspect placed. And in the interim, the homicide detectives worked diligently and they were constantly. I was the, I was the exhibits officer in that particular matter, and I was getting emails and phone calls from them on a fairly regular basis with DNA again DNA samples from from suspects, and uh, we were sending stuff off. And the sergeant in charge of that particular uh, case. Was constantly um, wanting to reevaluate what we had and look at it again and try and look at it from a different angle, so that we could possibly send off something different to the RCMP. And I mean, it, it, as uh, a lot of times as, as time goes by, scientific approaches also get better. So, what was not enough DNA ten years ago now is enough. So, a lot of times we revisit stuff, and the RCMP will automatically revisit cases where the amount of DNA. 15 years ago or 10 years ago wasn't enough to get a profile off of, but now it is. So they automatically do that on some cases in this particular matter, though. I mean, there was enough DNA to get a profile. Again, it's just a matter of, um, getting, getting a, a suspect on this one so we can compare it.
2: You referenced the Simone Sanderson case, and I believe the the person that was eventually charged for that has is behind bars. I, I I'm, I'm thinking it might've been a 12 year sentence and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I, uh, I'm curious, you know, for you and for the families that you stay in connection with, it might sound like a long passage of time for the average person or listener, but for them, I I know it's so fresh, the loss of a loved one. And so what does it mean to be able to go to the family members and say, yes, it's been X number of years, but we finally found who we think did this to your son or daughter?
8: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's on one hand, it's it's a great feeling to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, it's not really much of a celebration because at the end of the day, somebody had to die for that. So, you, you'd think that there'd be some you know you talk about closure and a lot of and you know being able to close the door on something and and you know people are, are able to again closure it, it, it might seem that way, but at the end of the day you' you're happy that you've done it, but then you take a step back and it's, you take a breath and you realize you know what at the end of the day we've still got somebody who should not be dead who is, and as much as we've found the person that's responsible. There's really nothing to celebrate. It's 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 terrible that we had to go to this length and, and whatnot. And it's it's and again, it's we're happy that we're able to do it, but it, it's kind of uh, uh, short-lived happiness.
1: Constable, if anybody has any information that could potentially help with this case, what should they do?
8: Um, definitely give us a call at Crime Stoppers Winnipeg uh, seven eight six. 8477, or if you're more interested in doing something uh, on online, it's org, and we will be happy to uh, take your any tips that we have on this particular case or any other unsolved case, uh, whether it be a murder or anything else, and we will process them and make sure that investigators get a hold of that information and uh, and we can proceed with, with any kind of um, charges or hopefully find uh, suspects and matters.
1: Constable Doug Singleton joining us live on 680 CJOB, the new police coordinator for Winnipeg Crime Stoppers. Thank you very much for the time, Constable. Much appreciated. Thank you. Cheryl Duck was one of 14 children. She was survived by her parents ten sisters, and three brothers. Her family was from Bloodvein First Nation, where Cheryl was interred. And if you want more information on Manitoba Unsolved Mysteries, you can go to the Manitoba Association of Chiefs of Police website macp.mb.ca.